Oh shit, it's the coin toss. One surprise topic off the rip, two sides of a coin. Tarek, heads or tails? Tails. It's tails. Oh yeah. Tarek, would you like the ball? I, w- I would like the ball. I want it. We have an amazing game coming up on Thursday. We got the Chargers versus the Chiefs. But, you know, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. This is a Dynasty podcast, so for once, this question is going to be on task. Which side of the trade are you taking? Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Elaire or Austin Eckler and Mike Williams? Austin Eckler and Mike Williams. Um, Travis Kelsey turning 33. Uh, Obviously, he is the best piece in the trade, but Austin Eckler is so much more valuable than Clyde Edwards-Elaire, and... Even though Mike Williams had a uh, bad game last weekend in week one, uh, I'm not panicking. Actually, now that I've even thought about it, Mike Williams, great buy right now. Uh, so go go pay this package for him, I suppose. Yeah, I guess you found out where this question was heading. Trey, are you taking the other side? You taking your guy CEH and Travis Kelsey? Well, CEH is most certainly not my guy. Uh, <laughs> so no, give me the, the Chargers side of this coin as well. Uh, I, I refuse to answer the question on moral grounds. All right, John, welcome back. Would you like to answer the question? I mean, Travis Kelsey's still good, right? And CEH is all, is, is still the Chiefs. So give me the Chiefs, man. I saw Travis Kelsey's 30-point performance in week one, and my first thought was, not that good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should probably sell That's, him. Yeah, <laughs> That's fair. Like, I don't want 30 points on my... I'd much rather get those two points from Mike Williams myself. And that was yeah. John and my oh, plan all along. We dagger. actually flipped Kelsey for a first. That's right. Yes. A, 20, a 23 first? You know it, buddy. Oh, you were talking about this league last week, right, uh, Mitch, where you were saying you didn't want to sell low on Kelsey, so you you ended up getting a first back? Mm-hmm. I was waiting for that big game, and then shamelessly, you know, even though he looked terrible last week, I was like, you know what, I'm going to just try and see if I can get a first for him. Threw it out in the group chat, and wazzah. Trey, do you do you think that is enough for Travis Kelsey, uh, a first in the vaunted 2023 rookie class? I don't know, man. I mean, it's nice winning games, too, you know, at some point. Not, not if you have our team, bro. We are in <laughs> full tank. Any win is going to be, like, problematic for our bid for the first overall pick. I think he could have gotten more. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome in to the Long Game Dynasty podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty fantasy football. I'm your host, Tarek Angry Tibinshwia. With me today, John Alexander, Trey Cryan, and Mitch Yates. What is up, John? I have to go to you first, man. It's it's good to be back. the The schedule is fucked, and let's just like take a PSA for sex education here, folks. You have children, and your schedule gets fucked. So uh, wrap it up is what all I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, John, what you're telling hey, but, what you're telling but, us is that you haven't been able to hang out the last couple of weeks because life and the kids have gotten in the way. He's blaming yeah, and his I, kids I, for I, not I, hanging out with us. I, well, I think he's clear. I think he's blaming the lack of uh, of um, sexual. Uh, pregnancy prevention 
yeah. contraception, if you will. <laughs> There's a word for Alcohol, it. Yeah, there you go. And, and the, honestly, the last five weeks I've been here because I won father of the year and I'm trying to like deal with all that. No, I do appreciate y'all changing the schedule, letting me on this week. I'll try not to fuck it up too bad. Keeping on the theme of uh, I'm going to wrap it up real good tonight. Yeah. Hey. Safety first. Mitch, uh, so official TLG recommendation, don't have kids. Uh, yeah, I'm on board with that. I'm, I'm still shooting for, <laughs> shooting for zero. Uh, speaking, shooting them every night. Speaking of shooting for zero, how about the Titans, man? What the fuck was that? Losing to the fucking Giants. Hey, man, anytime you can uh, take an L to the bottom of the NFC East barrel, you, you got to take it. Oh, come it. on. You know that's your Cowboys right now, bro. Yeah, I was about to say that's uh, that's generous <laughs> coming from a Cowboys fan. Moving on. <laughs> John, you know, let's get back into Dynasty content here in earnest. Um, if we must. About a month ago, um, we wrapped up our reputation player series, uh, Trey, Mitch, and I, by giving our running back and tight end reputation players. You were not there for that episode, and um, you haven't been back since. So, you know, we have to give the listeners, the listeners want to know, who are your running back and tight end reputation players for 2022? Hey, speaking of zeros, man, Cole Komet. Like, how many receptions did he get this week? But hey... <laughs> Hey, that's uh, the it's the vaunted third year breakout. This is the time. It's time for him to show it. But I, I'm I'm giving a pass. I'm giving every player a pass for that Chicago game. That that was that was as a fucked should. up field. That's fair. Uh, that, but tonight, uh, as of this recording, hasn't happened yet. Rashad Rashad Penny is my other guy. Uh, I'm looking for top 15 points per game this season. Kenneth Walker just ruled out. What do we? Yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a top 10 performance tonight. I think that's a guarantee. But uh, at the, I just like the way he ended last season, and uh, I think he's going to continue it this season as long as he's healthy. So, yay. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, I, I've got him in several teams, and I'm going against him in one league, and I, I'm trying to find that magical point. You guys play this this week. It's like, what's the <laughs> maximum points he can get while I for me to win while also not losing in the other league? It's very complicated. Um, I've, got some, I've got some mathematicians on all this, so look out for that. Yeah, John, I think in our main redraft league, you have Rashad Penny and Jerry Judy, and I have Javante Williams. Uh, looks like you're going to pull it out because you already have a little bit of a lead, but... Oh, pulling uh, it out. That's what yeah, I should... Just, and then I wouldn't have kids. God damn it. <laughs> Speaking of pulling out. All right. Okay, so today, it's it's week one. You know, we just watched the full slate of games on Sunday. We still got one game tonight. Um, the listeners will already know the result of that game. But what we're going to be doing most weeks during the season is each dude on the podcast here is going to give two takeaways from the slate of NFL games from the previous week. So without further ado, let's kick off this first half. And John, I got to give you more mic time because it's been a while since we heard Appreciate your voice. That. So what is your first dynasty takeaway from week one? Yeah, yeah so we've been doing this. This is probably what our second uh, week one. And we say it every year. Do not over overreact to week one. So I, in that vein, I'm going to definitely overreact to week one. Here's what I'm saying. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's a buy for me right now. And I have moved him all the way up into my uh, running back twos. I think I've got him at 18 right now. So, yeah, hawk, hot takes. Here we go. Uh, CEH in week one, seven rushing attempts for 42 yards, three receptions for 32 yards, and two touchdowns. That's top 10 running back performance in week one in PPR. I, I know what you're thinking. It's only 10 touches. 
Uh, but those 10 touches, they looked solid. I mean, he looked good. He looked smooth. Gallbladder be damned. I think that um, what I saw was a trust in CEH that I didn't see last year. And I think as that trust grows, he's going to be utilized more in the passing game and in the rushing game as well. So here's the most important part to me. Andy Reid was scheming CEH in the red zone. Like he built plays that got CEH open and got him the ball, got those two receiving touchdowns. Uh, that was the big deal last year, right? That was the thing that everybody was knocking him. It's like, okay, well, he's running the ball, but he, as soon as they get to the red zone, CEH is out and he's not going to do anything out there. Now, that I think that's why the markets got him in the 28, running back 28 to 30 range. Is they're, they're remembering that from last year. And that that's fair. I mean, that's where he should be if he's not getting those red zone to- touches. But if that portion of the game is solved, there's really no reason that he shouldn't be valued in a similar range as your Elijah Mitchell's pre-injury, David Montgomery's, Josh Jacobs, etc. That sort of range. So I think he's got a better ceiling than any of those guys, which is why I've kicked him up. I'm back on the bandwagon, guys. I think two seconds still gets it done. And if CEH can be a steady mid-range running back two going forward, that's good value. That's a guy you can plug in every week. So I'm back on the train. I'm overreacting to week one. Trey, tell me I'm an idiot. Hey, man. Well, you're not You're not an idiot. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, you know, pre-injury, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. I think that's about the range. He would go off the board for me and redraft too. So yeah, for Dynasty, I think it's it should be close as well. Um, we did talk about him last week on uh, the, the, the preview pod and uh, – we agreed like it was in the range of outcomes for him to actually come into the season and, you know, be the running back 12 overall four weeks in. And we kind of all looked at each other and said, if that is the case, because we've seen guys do this in the chiefs offense kind of year in year out that we should probably sell high. If we can get, you know, something of decent value in return, just based off of the history of CEH. So I think it's going to take four weeks for his value to creep up to that point. Uh, so I, I get what you're saying. He could be a useful, uh, you know, contender piece for you, a useful flex player going forward. Yeah, guys, I am, I'm not on the bandwagon here. So John, I did see that he was schemed. Clyde Edwards, Lair was schemed in the red zone, but so was Pacheco. And so was some other gadget type situations like Nicole Hardman, for example. So you they know, scored a lot of points, right? Yeah. There was points put up all over the place, but yeah. the scheme is more of the offense to me, and CEH just ate the touchdowns last week, I think. But, I mean, I'm less confident in the CEH sucks vein. Like, I, I'm not like, you know, you, you don't want to say that, and then your guy lights up a top 10 game, right? So I, I'm still on sell for him. Like, if you can, if you can get, like, two twos, I'm... I'm probably taking the two twos, especially if they're 2023. But I mean, if you can land like, say, trade him for uh, him and a two for Khalil Herbert and a one, that that's that's what I would be looking to trade him away for. Yeah, I mean, Isaiah Pacheco did get most of his work when the game was completely out of hand, where right. Ceh was kind of the primary back when it was still more or less competitive. You know, I struggle with this because you. John, you outlined it really well. It's only 10 touches, but the game got out of hand. So maybe they would have stayed with him a little bit more if it wasn't. You know, I I can see both sides of the argument here. The one thing I will take, you know, a little bit issue with 
is that a mid-range running back to going forward is something that you're really, you know, clamoring for or trying to pay for on your dynasty roster. I mean, if we think CEH is worth buying, it's because we think his ceiling, like he demonstrated this past week, is top 10, right? Mid-range running back two is not something that I'm necessarily getting excited about. I think that's replaceable production. Um, But if we think after seeing week one, calling back to what Trey said last week, that he could be a top 10 running back all year, okay. But we kind of have to make that distinction, I think. Because otherwise, like chasing a running back two, that's just chasing replaceable production. Yeah, to to clarify my point from last week, I'm saying it was kind of in the range of outcomes going into the season that he could be an RB1 after the first month. And he showed it week one, right? So now we know that, you know, this is, potentially what he can give you week in week yep. out I, top 10 because of that history though and because of you know i don't really believe in the talent of the player and it's really kind of mostly driven by the situation i would be looking to sell especially if that value on keep trade cut or other you know ranking starts creeping up with that production yeah guys i just want to point out like if y'all haven't seen the highlights Clyde just like jogs in on his second touchdown he does <laughs> literally a shoulder shrug like damn that was easy i didn't have to do <laughs> Escaped, shit yeah Escaped. and exactly but uh, you know that scheme to me is as Tarek mentioned replaceable i feel like they could have plugged pretty much anybody in in that situation and they could moving forward so we're just gonna have to wait a little bit and yeah strike when the iron's hot and trade or yeah uh, i yeah. mean if the if the price keeps going up every week all the better right whether whether you want to hold on to him, if the price is going up, that means he's producing. If you want to sell, hey, the price going up is always great. So, uh, all right, Trey, let's move on to your first takeaway from the week one slate. All right. So I got to go all the way back to Thursday, but I think we have to talk about what happened with Cam Akers in that game because Do we, have uh, to? We, we have to, man. He <laughs> was very to. clearly we the do. number two option in that offense to Darrell Henderson. And, uh, I think that surprised pretty much everybody, especially me and you, uh, Tark. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, 13 carries for Henderson to um, three for Acres, five targets for Henderson to zero for Acres. Acres was only out there for 18% of the snaps, and he really didn't look special with those limited touches. Uh, we all saw that uh, missed block that was trending on Twitter back on Friday. Mm-hmm. He just didn't really show anything in those three opportunities to make any of us think that he really deserves more at this point. So go back to our division preview when we were talking about the NFC West. We said neither of these running backs have really shown that they can be efficient in this offense yet. And we know that Buffalo Buffalo may be like the best defense in the NFL, but neither one of these guys looked efficient or explosive on Thursday. I don't think either of them, I don't think Akers or Henderson is necessarily a buy right now. Um, I think with Akers, if you had him on a ro- your roster, you kind of have to wait and see at this point. Um, but I mean, I'm, I've, I've got to adjust my ranks after seeing what just happened on Thursday night. So I dropped Akers out of my top 20. He's now down in the same range as guys like Ezekiel Elliott and James Conner for me now, probably right behind those guys. And then I moved uh, Henderson up a bit. I mean, I, I'm not going to put him above guys like those rookies like Rashad White or James Cook, but he's creeping into that range for me. I, I have to respond here because the the elephant in the room, for me at least, is that Cam Akers is my reputation running back. Um, so that does not feel great after week one. 
Um, there's really not much sugarcoating it. Like he he is the backup running back in L.A. right now. Yeah. And the backup running back on not a great running team either um, is is one thing we have to point out. Like the offensive line was not doing anybody any favors there, but at least Daryl Henderson made something happen on his touches. Whereas Cam Akers, you know, I mean, he only got three touches, but I mean, there was one play where he like made it back to the line of scrimmage after potentially losing like eight yards, but that's the best thing he did yeah. all night. Um, Cam Akers dropped from my running back 11 all the way down to running back 28. Um, that is nowhere close to where he dropped on keep trade cut. He's in the 40s now on keep trade cut. Ooh. My perspective here is that Cam Akers is now a high value handcuff, right? Agreed. So he's around that range with Rashad White, with Kareem Hunt, Ramondre Stevenson, Daryl Henderson. I mean, the Mitch, let me throw it to you on this. I posed the question right after the game on Thursday. Would you rather have Cam Akers or Khalil Herbert, another really high-value handcuff who had a great game on Sunday. What do you think about that? And I'll take Khalil Herbert pretty much easy money right there because what I've seen from Cam Akers post-injury is not good. And, like, you know, he kind of had that excusable, came-back-too-early playoff performance last year, but, you know, he's had a whole offseason, and, like, McVay did talk him up a little bit, but then... The proof is right there on the 18% uh, snap share. So I think you take what you can get for him right now before it's too late. Like, I don't view I don't view Cam Akers as a high-priority backup. I, I think that he's heading the wrong direction and quick. And so, and I do agree with Trey, though, as far as Henderson goes. Like, I'm happy where I got him if I drafted him. Yeah, and I'm right. happy that I traded for him in the offseason at a low price. But I'm certainly not Jones to overpay for him right now. So I do think there's some good days ahead for Hendo this season, but I don't really trust him beyond that. And Hendo did, for what it's worth, have a couple good runs that he created himself. So I feel sure. like he's he's the guy. He's he's definitely the starter, like you mentioned. And that, <clears throat> until further notice, like I, I don't see any reason that this is going to change. Akers didn't look right. Well, there's the bigger issue here of the Rams' office in general. The uh, the running game was non-existent, so I think that until that gets solved, there's other wide receivers that are going to that are going to suffer because uh, they're just sitting back and getting like Allen Robinson, for instance. We saw him do nothing, so I think there's larger issues here. And until that offensive line gets fixed, we we might have to downgrade a lot, a few of these Rams players. Yeah, if only. Cam Akers were as athletic as James Robinson. Uh, that would be sweet. Um, Brutal. Shout out to James Robinson. Oh, uh, absolutely. Had a great game. That's awesome, man. Love to see it. All right. Let's move on to my first dynasty takeaway from week one. And it is that the next several weeks with Dak Prescott out is going to be when we find out who CeeDee Lamb is. Because to me, the biggest CeeDee Lamb lover that you will ever meet last night was a bit of a Rorschach test for CeeDee Lamb. I think you saw what you wanted to see out of that game. If you're a CeeDee Lamb believer, you saw 11 targets and you could be encouraged that that 25 plus percent target share year that was promised is on its way. Whether or not that comes from Dak Prescott, I mean, we'll see. Bad quarterbacks support great receivers all the time. 
If you're a CD Lamb skeptic, you saw two receptions on an offense that couldn't move with Dak Prescott and just lost Dak for six to eight weeks. They're saying Halloween at the earliest, more likely mid-November. So this is not so much a takeaway from week one as it is a magnifying glass on CD Lamb while Dak Prescott is out. Cooper Rush is going to be a tough watch, like he is not good. But that doesn't mean that we should be making grand excuses for Lamb, which I, Angry T, am want to do. My my Twitter bio says CD Lamb apologist. So Lamb needs to command 25% of the targets. Maybe we can forgive efficiency for a while because of the subpar QB play that's coming. But for me, the volume has to be there over the next month to two months to continue to consider him even a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. I moved him down a few spots. I think AJ Brown and Cooper Cup very much deserve to be over him at this point. Um, But he will continue to go down if I don't see him routinely return 25 plus percent of the targets. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because the volume was there on Sunday. I mean, he just didn't turn it into catches, right? Like he had the 11 targets on the 41 pass attempts. So he hit that number uh, pretty much. But for me, it's it's interesting. It's kind of less about the valuation and it's more about the the team building uh, with CeeDee Lamb. Like if you've got him on your roster, like he doesn't look to me like somebody you can rely on as a contending piece to go win the, in the playoffs right now, right? Uh, especially with Dak going to be missing significant amount of time here. So there's a, a ton of uncertainty around him. I think there's a lot of variability in his value in the offseason too. Um that kind of makes him an interesting buy candidate to me, especially if his value does come down a little bit, which I'm sure it will with Cooper Rush at quarterback. Like, I don't think like the efficiency is going to be there over the next month and a half or, or whatever. So honestly, if you're a contender, I think you should probably cash out if you can get anywhere close to that wide receiver four price. Like, like you said, AJ Brown, I'd love to get him. Or if I had lamb, I'd love to get like digs in a piece. Uh, but it seems to me like, uh, like contenders, like try to get out of them. Maybe if you're rebuilding, maybe you try to buy low on them, depending on how bad it gets. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, w- let me add some context to my like quote unquote takeaway here is it's watching that game and seeing that undrafted rookie Houston get a bunch of targets, right? Seeing like Noah Brown get a bunch of targets without Michael Gallup, without even the ghost of James Ro- or what's his name? James Washington being yeah. on, the, on the roster right now, like 11 targets is not that impressive to me. Like, yeah, obviously getting a 30 plus percent target share in a single game. That's something that you want to bet on if it continues. But looking at everything else that's around him on that roster, that's what I'm saying is that's what we need to expect. And we can't accept anything less if we're going to value him top 10. Yeah, Tarek, I'm with you. I I, I want to see it. I want to see that 25%. And I think we will. I want to roll the dice here. Um, I, yeah. I'm saying buy as well. You know, even if you're a contender, I'm actually like thinking I hold on tight for the ride just because I do believe Cooper Rush will target him. And I want to point out just for the sake of, you know, these 11 targets, like they were some of the worst targets I've ever seen, too. Dak Prescott was just, like, hucking it up into triple coverage and double coverage. And, like, these weren't even catchable balls for the most time with C.D. Lamb. So, 
you know, I I'm more willing to give him a pass because like, you know, the way it looks like two catches on 11 targets, like, well, that that seems like it's CD's fault. But, you know, he's less to blame than that number indicates. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dak had a really rough night before he got injured last night. For sure. He did not play well. Am I an apologist now? I mean, it's funny because like it sounds like I'm being harsh uh, and I'm still CeeDee Lamb is still my dynasty wide receiver five. You know, it's just it's more that cup and AJ Brown leaped him than it is. He fell. But I just, you know, after seeing the complete dearth of talent on the Cowboys receiver core, I'm like personally not going to accept or make any excuses if he's below 25%. Whereas before, I don't know. I mean, I'll always wriggle my way out of critiquing CeeDee Lamb, but I'm taking a hard line here now. God damn it. All right. All right, Mitch, close us out for the first half with your first takeaway from week one. Will do. And uh, I'm drinking that Christian Kirk flavored Kool-Aid and it's delicious, like sweet flavors of 28.6% target share and 12 targets, six receptions, 117 yards. I loved it. Trevor Lawrence hucked the ball 42 times and uh, Kirk still almost commanded 30% of those targets. So Not only that, he showed good chemistry and communication with Trevor Lawrence, and keep trade cut still is lagging behind here. They have uh, Christian Kirk at wide receiver 42 still, and that's just too low for the number one receiver there in Jacksonville. And we have talked about his salary before, but I'll just remind you guys, it's $72 million, three years, I believe. So I don't really need more convincing. I'm ready to just take the leap here. I think he should be up there right next to Mooney and Hollywood Brown, kind of the number one target in a room where there just isn't a lot else. And those other guys, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones, and Tim Jones, I actually had the pleasure of listening to some of the announcers fuck this up all game long. And so, (laughs) you know, before I toss it to you guys, I want to throw out a few trade ideas that I've been pondering. Uh, Kadarius Toney in a two for Christian Kirk. I think that would definitely get it done. Sky Moore in a three, or maybe even try to trade down from Judy and get Kirk in a two or something like that. I'd I'd rather have Tony in a two or Sky Moore in a three than Christian Kirk. Even though this was a you know impressive performance in Week One, and Christian Kirk, he's he's a good player. Like I'll, I'll give that to you, um, but I, I will still kind of take between Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony what I think to be like elite upside uh, from both of those players and getting the piece on top of that as well. I'm trying to get the deal done and that's why these aggressive offers are here. And I, like I said, I think they'll get it done. And before I pass it off, Trey, I know you're Jones going to get in here. Uh, If he stays at 30% or 20, say, say he stays above 25% for the next uh, four games, would you guys be more inclined to believe in this? I'd be more inclined to believe in it, but that would be the best mark of his career. Last year was 24, or excuse me, his best year was 2019 at 24.5%. Last year, he was at 18.1% target share. So projecting him any higher than that is a little bit of, you know, taking a leap of faith there that we just haven't seen before. Uh, On top of that, the 41 pass attempts by uh, the Jags, uh, that's more than uh, Doug Peterson offenses had in his last two years uh, with the Eagles. I mean, they were still like, uh, around like the 10th in the league uh, in 2019 and 2020. 
but it's hard to project them doing that every single week. So I, I think instead of 11, 12 targets a game, you're probably looking at more like eight or nine, which is still pretty good. But I just I don't think the ceiling is super high with Christian Kirk. I think he's like a better NFL player than he is like, a, you know, a fantasy asset and not going to project a ton of touchdowns for him in Jacksonville either. So, no, I would I would much rather have the other sides of those trades that uh, you just mentioned. All right. I, I'm on I, an island. I know. No, I don't think you are, Marles, because here, here's what I saw. I saw that the first half was garbage, but <laughs> Trevor Lawrence like he took a step in the second half. He looked good in the second half. And the guy that he was targeting was Christian Kirk. I am the resident Christian Kirk hater on this pod. And I don't think there is a cheaper wide receiver one for any team than Christian Kirk right now. I think he's going to continue to get the majority of the targets in Jacksonville. And I, I think you're right for the most part, Marles. I, I don't like Christian Kirk at all, but I think that he's the guy that Trevor Lawrence trusts. I didn't see him targeting uh, ETN like I thought he would. He was looking for Christian Kirk, and I think that relationship's going to continue to go, grow. And I don't think I would trade Sky more for him, but like Kadarius Tony, yeah, I, I would definitely do that right now for sure. Yeah, but but the the point is that it's it's early, right? And they're they're figuring it out. And I think Trevor Lawrence is getting going to get better throughout the season. I I said that before, uh, many many moons ago. It turns out, and I I don't think you're too far off here, Marles. I think it's fair to say that none of us really championed Christian Kirk before this, and so I don't have like any shares of him really. I'm this this is kind of what I needed to see from the guy to start like believing and start taking the steps to uh acquiring shares of him so seeing is believing and uh like i said i'm drinking that kool-aid it's it's worth monitoring at least trey let me try to get us closer to mitch and john here i'm looking at the dlf trade finder would you do a 2023 second and michael gallup to acquire christian kirk or is that still too much no you hang on to that second yeah, see, I, I I I agree with Trey here, and it's not about Michael Gallup. It's about the 23 seconds. Yeah. So Tony and a 23 second is just too much to pay for me. But all right, mic check. It is halftime. Okay, we went three and one last week in our first week of halftime picks against the spreads. You know, we were looking strong after the noon games. Me and John brought it home. Uh, and then Trey held up his end of the bargain with the Vikings. Mitch, uh, before we get into our picks, you want to <laughs> you want to say anything to because you, uh, you, yeah. you you got your hand in my pockets, dude. Yeah, that, we'll call this a, <laughs> one of those my bad situations. You know, upon revisiting this bet, I did bet against Patrick Mahomes and the mm-hmm. Chiefs, mm-hmm. which, you know, generally that's pretty pretty bad so i apologize guys but i i got the pick of the week for you this week no worries man it's gonna happen almost every week so wouldn't worry about basically it. every week yeah <laughs> all right john why don't you give us your pick against the spread for week two? Oh well actually after last season's uh horrendous run uh i went one and oh so i'm retiring and i don't i don't have a pick that no i'm just <laughs> i'm just kidding uh no i'm 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 t- i'm following in trey's Footsteps, and I'm taking the Vikings this week, uh, plus one and a half against the Eagles. That Vikings uh, defense was something else. That pass rush, would, mm-hmm. they shut down 
Aaron Rodgers. They shut him down. I don't I don't care what receivers you got. He couldn't do anything on the field. I think they're going to severely limit Jalen Hurts. A.J. Brown looked great. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to have a lot of chances to give him the ball this week. Um, and, and put on top of that, like this new offense, Justin Jefferson looks like a bronze god out there. Like, I don't know what's going on out there, but I, I'm, it's very exciting to watch the Vikings, and I feel a little dirty saying that. But yeah, go Vikings, plus one and a half. Yeah, Justin Jefferson is not from this planet. The Packers, for some reason, decided not to guard him, which was an interesting decision. But I, t- I totally agree. Justin Jefferson is incredible. All right, John's got Vikings plus one and a half at Philly. Trey, what you got? Well, appreciate John picking up on my Vikings there. Hashtag mm. skull. Got to got to turn it around this week. Uh, well, let's let's get the four uh, let's get the four game parlay, guys. I'm going with uh, Pittsburgh at home plus one versus New England. I think that Pittsburgh defense is just too too strong. We saw them uh, take the Bengals to overtime, which is pretty cool considering they were in the Super Bowl not that long ago. And that Pat's offense just looked like they had no idea what they were doing. Uh, they only managed seven points against Miami. And now we're maybe going to get Mac Jones missing this game too. Uh, I don't have a ton of faith in uh, the Pittsburgh offense, but I do think they will be good enough to cover that one point at home. All right. So you're you're rooting for either a tie or a win, win, you know, with that plus one. I like it. Definitely. All a right. Tie. My pick. Yeah, <laughs> definitely <laughs> yep. a tie. Yep. They, the, the Pittsburgh almost tied last week, but they pulled it off. They could almost do it again. My pick against the spread for week two. Second week in a row, I'm going with a road favorite. Bucks minus two and a half at the New Orleans Saints. Look, last week. I picked the Ravens on the road against the Jets because the Ravens are just a much better team. I think that the Buccaneers are a much better team than the Saints. Uh, And it really comes down to who's playing quarterback. Like I recognize New Orleans, they've got a good defense. They've got some, you know, a good core there, but Tom Brady's going to take it to him, going to win by more than a field goal. So give me the Bucs. All right, Mitch, close this out. I told you guys I had the pick of the week. And if you listeners at home are wondering why we haven't picked the Bills yet, well, it's because it's time. The Bills are minus nine and a half at home against the Titans. And yeah, this is less about the Titans than it is about the Bills. The Titans shit their pants in the second half against the Giants, but the Bills are just in a different league than the Giants. The Titans are going to lose by 30 points. And, you know, I'd be saying this if the Titans made the last second field goal uh, yesterday, too. So, yeah, go Bills, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> sounds like uh sounds like a bitter titans fan i love it yeah look the the bills are just fucking better and no, they, I, they I look would, like the team to beat in the entire nfl they beat the super sure. bowl champs by like what 20 beat them down yep all right guys well the sweat is gonna be on because the vikings and the bills play on monday night so uh we're we're gonna be sweating all weekend long waiting on as long as me and trey don't fuck it up early we might have to record on tuesday just so we can talk about it (laughs) yeah exactly that's true all right let's kick off this second half with our second set of dynasty takeaways from week one john you take it away the ravens offense We were just talking about Baltimore, okay? So, big takeaway, top 10 performance in PPR as of before the Monday night football game with Devin DuVernay. And I can remember a couple of years ago, 
big deal. Devin Duvernay, really fast guy. And uh, he, he hadn't really done anything. He, he hadn't really emerged. But now it looks like he might be the third option for Baltimore. Maybe. He scored a couple of touchdowns and he ended up with a top 10 uh, wide receiver performance in fantasy this week. Uh, and, and if you look at it, you're like, well, how, how did that happen? Well, Mark Andrews didn't have a touchdown, but let, let's dig in a little bit deeper here because Duvernay only had four targets. Now, we all know Baltimore isn't a huge passing offense, so four targets is actually 13% target share. We're not we're not real excited about that, but compare that to Rashad Bateman, who only had five, and he only ends up with two catches, but one of them's a touchdown, and everybody's celebrating that. Uh, Andrews only had seven with no touchdowns. And then three guys are tied for third on the team with four targets, one of them being uh, the rookie tight end, likely. So while Duvernay's numbers pop this week, you're going to see, wow, this this guy's come out of nowhere. He's top 10. The situation is definitely muddy behind Andrews. I, I think Andrews is clearly the number one for this team, and he's going to get his. He didn't get the touchdown this week, but I, I think that's going to happen. He's the first receiving option, and I still expect Rashad Bateman to become the clear second option. I've been saying it for, I feel like, since as long as we've been doing this pod, I I only want one wide receiver for Baltimore. So if you've got Devin Duvernay on your squad, you probably picked him up from waivers. It's, It's time to move him right now with this top 10 performance. Don't, I'm moving for like any third. Like you go, you send me that third, I'm moving on. I'm not waiting. I'm using week one as an opportunity to get him off my roster because I don't know who the true third uh, receiving option is for Baltimore, but ultimately it doesn't matter because there's only one guy I care about and that's Bateman or uh, as the wide receiver, there's only one guy I care about in Bateman and Mark Andrews is the guy going forward, number one in this team. So make a move, get rid of Devin Duvernay. John, totally agree. <laughs> Could not agree more. Don't think you're going to get a lot of resistance from the other guys on here. If you can flip Duvernay for a third, absolutely go for it. Uh, the thing that kind of concerns me based off the stats you just ran us through is uh, the Ravens only uh, had 31 pass attempts, 31. which is yeah. kind of getting back into 2020 numbers. So we don't, we don't like seeing that. Now, I know spreading they had a big out. lead against the Jets. So maybe when there's a closer game, maybe they'll push that back up a little bit. But uh, that's something to keep an eye on, too, because that definitely means you're not going to get more than two viable pass catchers in this. Absolutely. Offense. Yes. If that if that if you that know, like Devin Duvernay and uh, Rashad Bateman don't score a touchdown on their few targets. Right. It's like it's still Mark Andrews. And then as far as we know so far, it's Mark Andrews. And then who knows? Right. You're with Bateman. You're still just betting on the profile. Right. Well, I, I know who else. Lamar Jackson, dude. And that guy looked good. He looked yeah, real good. Looks good. Those yep. long balls, like that touchdown pass to uh, Bateman. I mean, his cannon. It's just such a fucking amazing. Lamar Jackson's good guess. player. Like, yeah, he's good. <laughs> Hot take. Hot take. Love it. Love it. Uh, whereas Cam Akers uh, pulling down my reputation, Lamar Jackson pulling it back up. Balance in the universe. All right, Trey. Second dynasty insight from week one. Yeah, so I'm going to go back to a running back here. Um, I'm going to go to Kareem Hunt, the the RB2 in Cleveland. Uh, He found the end zone twice this week, and he ended up uh, week one as the RB4 with 23 PPR points. So 11 carries, 46 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. 
and four catches, 24 receiving yards, and one touchdown in the air. John, that's more opportunities than CEH, by the way, but we'll come back to that. (laughs) Hunt had 33% of the running back carries, and he was clearly the preferred running back in the passing game with those four targets. Those four targets were actually second most on the team after Donovan Peoples-Jones, who got double-digit targets for some reason. But anyway, this all tells me that I was just too low on Kareem Hunt this offseason. I think you can compare this crowded backfield to another situation like Green Bay. I think there's arguably more touchdowns to be had in Cleveland this year than there is in Green Bay, at least based off what we saw in week one. And if you look at where all those other running backs are ranked, they're all running back 16 or higher on keep trade cut. Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt is down at RB 31. So I don't want to chase touchdowns too, too much here, but it seems to me like this is arguably the top handcuff in all of football right now. And I was too low on him going into the uh, years. So I think if you've got a contending roster, I think you can buy high on Hunt after this week. I would rather have him on my roster than some of these rookies like Brian Robinson or Christian Watson or even, you know, a quarterback like Malik Willis, like a take Hunt over. And then we talked about Darrell Henderson, like give me Hunt over Hendo too. Yeah, I refuse to call Kareem Hunt a handcuff to this day. I refuse to do it. I think that he just has his own his own starting right in a fantasy lineup. And, you know, he lit up my bench because I considered him a handcuff. And you're right, Trey. It's like, you know, he's he's got some value and I think all of us here were undervaluing him. Now, luckily I ended up with him on a few squads just because I didn't go running back early and it worked out that way, but I'm not looking to trade off of him right now either. I think that he's going to put some points in some lineups. Yeah, I think he's a, he's definitely a classic hold. I don't have any disagreements here, Trey. I just moved Kareem Hunt up from running back 34 to running back 29 ahead of Miles Sanders, Chase Edmonds, Rashad White. So um actions speak louder than words were, were you, just like related idea here were you all surprised they let jacoby Brissett throw it 34 times because that that just blew my mind i was not expecting them to throw the ball that much without deshaun watson out there 34 is not that much though it's still pretty low in the modern right. nfl it's so. tra- yeah. tom brady threw it 27 times though so you know yeah. well brady did brady did not have to throw it yeah Yeah, Baker Mayfield made it a game down the stretch. So, uh, yeah, Um, the the other thing I'll say about this game and the the running backs in Cleveland, I found it interesting that Dearness Johnson was healthy scratched and an angry T favorite Jerome Ford on the active roster. Hey, hey, we've we've seen that running back three in Cleveland carry some value week in week out. So I imagine it's probably a special teams decision, but keep an eye on Jerome Ford. Uh, if he, if you can get him as a throw in, in any kind of deal, uh, put that on your radar. Good shout out there. All right. My second dynasty takeaway from week one is Amon Ross St. Brown. The sun God is a baller breaking news. Everyone Deandre Swift TJ Hawkinson, they were healthy. And when they were in the fold, Amon Ross St. Brown, despite all the crutch arguments over the offseason, <laughs> was able to pull down more than 30% of the targets. Amon Ross finished with a stat line of 12 targets, 8 receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Pretty low A dot. We know that Amon Ross is a slot guy, he's a volume receiver, but. Because he's a good player, he's going to get that volume. So in my opinion, 
lock Amon Ra as a top 24 dynasty receiver. And I think he's a great pivot down option off of some of the guys in that 15 to 20 range who carry a lot of name value, but you can get probably like a good amount on top of them for um, Amon Ra. So I'm thinking of guys like Terry McLaurin, thinking of guys like Chris Godwin. When Jamison Williams comes into the fold, I expect his volume to come from DJ Chark's eight targets on the outside. I don't consider Jamison Williams a really high volume receiver. I think he's probably going to be a little bit more of the stretch of the field. I think he's really talented and I think he's going to take targets, but mostly from DJ Chark. I think Amon Ra is the fixture there, especially for as long as Jared Goff is throwing the ball because Jared Goff is not going to stretch the field that often, right? He's going to take what's there. So Amon Ra is wide receiver 20 in my ranks. I moved him up about 10 spots. Um, Last thing I'll say here before I pass it to you guys, before the season starts, uh, I traded away to John Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, or I traded away DJ Moore to get Amon Ra St. Brown back. And I kind of tug in cheek said in our podcast group thread, hey, it wouldn't surprise me that much if Amon Ra outproduces DJ Moore uh, in 2022. Well, hey, in week one, I was right. <laughs> you, you were you There's were certainly right. You Allow cer- me to take a lap around the room, take y'all. A lap. Week one, it, it's in. It's take take a slow jog. Don't don't exert yourself too much. It's it's good. I think the 12 targets. It's the big deal here. You know, the 64 yards, low A dot. You've talked about it. It's it's not. But in PPR, who cares, right? You you get the 12 targets, and it looks like that's going to be a consistent thing. So. Uh, you know, Goff didn't throw it any more than Jacoby Brissett did. So uh, the, the fact that they're throwing it his way, it's it's a big deal. At top five in terms of targets, of course, there's a huge tie in uh, at 12 there. It's it's a promising sign. Um, y- you got me this week, Tarek. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Baker Mayfield might be on the mend. Oh, God, I just feel dirty even saying that. Well, so... Yeah, the other thing that's encouraging is this offense put up more than 30 points against a good uh, or a defense we thought that was going to be good, the Philadelphia defense. So I think that's a good sign of things to come for Detroit, too. Oh, yeah. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown checked those boxes that he needed to check. Like, that's what we were worried about was, well, Swift wasn't there and Hawk wasn't there. Well, like you said, that's what you were worried about, Mitch. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I'm on board. I'm on board, is what I'm saying. I mean, all right, welcome to the party, bud. That's what he needed to do. It's not like Swift had a bad game or anything. I think of the three, Hawk was the one that disappointed. So I think the thing to monitor going forward is, of those three, who's the guy that's going to be the one that gets left out? Because I don't think all three of those guys are fantasy relevant every week. Well, they're also not going to score forty something points every week, too. So right, that's that. That's also true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and before we move on from this point, let me just say. Because uh, I don't want this to be construed as me being anything other than very pro DJ Moore. He had nine targets, five receptions, 66 yards. So, you know, not the greatest game, but go watch DJ Moore's highlights from week one. That dude is a fucking animal. So if there's any if there's any doubt, <laughs> it's the classic DJ Moore story. All right, Mitch, take it away. All right. Well, it's time to get out of your Derrick Henry shares before it's too late. We're <laughs> planting this flag right now. Currently, he's still sitting at running back 14 on keep trade cut. So there's still plenty of value to be had here. And, you know, some might be crying that this is a bit of an overreaction after game one. But 
I don't think that's what's going on here. Henry's biggest strength when it comes to fantasy is volume, breaking down the defense with 25 or more runs a game. And as I predicted the Titans brass might do this year, they're easing up his workload and trying to preserve him a bit. So, And that's at the expense of what he's best at. He logged a 68% snap count, and uh, he was a as far away from the field as possible in obvious passing situation, and he was only targeted once in the passing game. So I'm not declaring that the King is dead because I very much expect some King Henry-type production from time to time. Uh, I absolutely expect, like, a couple massive games, but I'm afraid we're going to get a lot more duds than the 50 bombs. And I would rather have A.J. Dillon straight up than Derrick Henry. I think that that's where we're at right now in the rankings right around... uh, I think I have Henry right around like 17, but yeah, it's it's time to get out of him before your league may start to see that he doesn't quite look the same after his foot injury. And you, you made me giggle a little bit there, Marles, because uh, you said they're going to scale him back with the 21 attempts, which was still uh, top five on the week, uh, more than Dalvin Cook and Saquon Barkley. Uh, but I, I don't disagree with you. I think that um, the Titans aren't going to be able to lane on him anymore. He's he's just at that point. But the I guess the question is, if I'm trying to unload Derrick Henry, what what should I be looking for, Marles? Like, can am, am I sitting around? Am I waiting for a 23 first for Derrick Henry? I don't think you're going to get that. I think that you're going to have to downgrade in your running back room and upgrade elsewhere, like position wise. Uh, I don't have a I don't have a trade sitting in front of me here, so perhaps what we about could... what about Derrick Henry or Leonard Fournette? I'm going to go with Leonard Fournette on that one. I think he's going to score more fantasy points this year and next year. Who who knows about either of those guys? I'll yeah, take I Lenny bet this on year. Next year. Yeah, Lenny will also get the uh, passing game work and uh, exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, I probably take. Leonard Fournette there too, which means I need to adjust my ranks. Trey, let me give you one more. Derrick Henry or Aaron Jones? We talked about A.J. Dillon. What about the other half of that Green Bay backfield? Yeah, that's tough. Uh, I think they're both probably roughly one-year players. I think uh, I would feel more confident with Aaron Jones uh, right now, straight up, but I I have them right next to each other. But yeah, so last year... Derrick Henry kind of had the same first game where he he just didn't do that well. And then the next game, he exploded with 35 carries and like three touchdowns and 186 yards and all that. But as we mentioned before, he's he's playing the Bills week two. So I think that there's yeah. going to be even more reason to panic after week two, especially if the Bills just shut him down. And so like if he if he puts up three duds in a row then your trade window has slammed shut, in my opinion. So I'm looking this week if I have Henry. All right. uh, Before we close out on this episode, Mitch, wanted to ask you uh, about the other running back in that backfield. Dontrell Hilliard came away with uh, 22 fantasy points. So what do you think about that? Is Is he something to be reckoned with in the backfield in Tennessee no I've said this before on the on the pod like Hilliard is bad and I I I don't want you guys to get suckered in by that stat line like he was only on the field 18 percent of the snaps and obviously like he made the most of them but he's just not a good player he he like fumbles and does stupid shit drops easy catches and he's just a replaceable player so 
I, I think Hassan Haskins was actually like playing in the pass pro towards the end of the game, not Hilliard. So like, I, I, I just, he's just a guy. Marles, I don't disagree with anything you've said, but I just want to say you sound like the saddest Titans fan in the world, like this entire episode. <laughs> like I just, my heart is bleeding for you because I just want you to be happy. I'm, I'm dealing with grief in my own way. You know, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not upset. It's just Father Time is, is here to tell, tell us that the Titans fucking window is closed. Like it's going to be a long year. And like, like I said, John, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Trey, as uh, Cowboys fans, happily welcome you to this side of the fence where we have very low expectations. They and, could not uh, be lower. I, yeah. <laughs> I want to throw one thing out there. I saw this, this stupid stat fly by. The Giants are above 500 for the first time since 2017. <laughs> want to know. <laughs> well, well, the other thing is you shared with us before this game that the Titans had lost something like five week ones in a row. Apparently, the New York Giants were in the same boat. So it was something's got something to give. had to give the yeah. movable object versus the very stoppable force. Like somebody had to, <laughs> to lose that fight well, yeah. or win that fight. Mitch, I'm going to I'm going to close out the show here because we're about halfway through the first quarter of the Monday night game and all of us want to go watch that. But let me give you a shout out because I am in one survival league (laughs) and I was like, I think I'm going to pick the Titans. You know, they have the biggest spread and I want to save some of these other teams. You're like, dude, don't do it. Just go go pick the Ravens. It's the guy you the the team you picked for halftime. And I listened to you. I appreciate it. I'm still alive in the survival league. So shout out to mitch the sage that is going to do it for episode 69 by the way fail fail on me your fail son of a host for not off the top saying that we were recording episode 69 god but hey very nice anyway we'll see y'all next week nice goodbye bye-bye no i ain't worried